Amen. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open to Hebrews chapter number 11. And uh, if you've still not received the notes for the message this morning, go ahead and raise your hand, and I know the ushers will get uh, those notes to you as soon as they can. But if you still need the notes and have not received them for whatever reason, uh, go ahead and raise your hand. They'll get them to you. Hebrews chapter number 11. And we're going to continue our series on answering the call. Answering the call. And this morning's message is going to focus on answering the call to sacrifice. And we'll be studying here in Hebrews chapter 11. It's a, it's a very well-known chapter for many Christians this morning. I know perhaps there are many in here that have read this chapter many times. It is known as the chapter of the Hall of Faith. Uh, they, not the Hall of Fame, but the Hall of Faith. And the reason it's known for that is that throughout the whole chapter, it speaks about people that had faith in God, Old Testament saints that did some great and wonderful things by faith and were able to accomplish great things for God because of that. But when you read this chapter, you'll also find that there's another common thread that knits these people together. Uh, they're knitted by their faith, and you can read in almost every verse in this chapter says, by faith Abel, by faith Enoch, by faith Noah, uh, by faith Abraham, by faith Moses. And, and you'll notice that there's a common thread of faith, but there's also a common thread of sacrifice in their life. And so as we study the portion of Scripture, we're going to study a little bit of the life of Moses, and we're going to find some of the sacrifices that he made. And really, you can see them all in the verses that we'll be reading this morning. So if you would, Hebrews chapter 11, and I want you to notice as we read, starting in verse number 24, it says this, By faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Through faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. By faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, which the Egyptians assigned to do were drowned. Let's pray and ask God to give us guidance as we study these verses this morning. Father, thank you once again for your many blessings. Thank you for your word that gives us guidance, that gives us spiritual nourishment. Thank you, Father, because it's a word that is true. There's no, not found in it, not one lie. There's nothing that is found in it that is falsehood. But Father, all of it is true. All of it is real. All of it is something that we can understand and have, believe, and live after. Thank you, Father, because as we study this passage, we'll be able to grow in our understanding and in our relationship with you when it comes to this area of sacrifice. I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to us each individually in a special way. I ask that you would fill me with your spirit as I preach this message. I pray that you'd give the filling of the Holy Spirit in my life to be able to communicate clearly what it is that these uh, verses teach us about sacrifice and that we'd be able to grow this morning not only, not only in our knowledge but in the way that we live. May this truth transform our lives and, and bring us to be more like Jesus in everything that we say and everything that we do. Father, work in our hearts this morning, we ask, and that is our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, throughout the journey of the Christian life, you will, at one point or another, be required to make sacrifices. You'll have to choose whether you're going to uh, trust God and giving Him your plans and your goals so that He can do His plans and His goals in your life, or uh, you'll just give up uh, doing what He wants and begin to live your life according to how you see things and what you think is best. But let me say, whatever you choose, whether it's to follow God's plans or to refuse to follow God's plans, both require sacrifices in your life. Both will require you to make a decision of what you will do and what you will not do. You see, you can't do what I once heard a husband do in his marriage. 
I heard of this husband that was getting married to his wife, and uh, as they were getting married on that wedding day, they decided that they were going to uh, make a pact. And their pact was this. They said, we're just going to make the decision right now, he said, that I will make all the major decisions in our marriage, and you, my darling sweet wife, will make all the minor decisions in our marriage. And so they got married with that pact. Well, about 20 years later, uh, they came back to him and, and uh, someone asked him, they said, hey, I heard about your pact of, of only making all the major decisions and, and uh, your wife making all the minor decisions. How's that going? How did it work out for you after 20 years of marriage? And he said, great. He said, in 20 years of marriage, I've not had to make one major decision yet. You know, sometimes we, uh, we, we feel like the life of a, of a Christian is one avoiding decisions. But can I say that God wants you and I not to avoid decisions in our life, but to make decisions in our life. To make decisions that would be uh, according to His will, that would follow what He would have for us in our life. You see, greatness in God's eyes never comes as a result of what we accomplish, Greatness always comes in what we sacrifice. And God wants you and I to make certain sacrifices today. God wants you and I to make certain decisions that would bring Him the most honor and the most glory and that would bring you to reach the, the greatest potential of your life. Now, as we get started, let me ask you a question. Can you think of any great sacrifices that you have made for God in your life? Can you think of something that you have decided even this past week that brought glory to God and took glory away from you? I mean, is there anything that you've had to give up lately? Something you've had to sacrifice, if you will, for God and for God's greatness and for God's glory? Well, this morning, I, I want to share with you three sacrifices that... Moses made in his life that I believe you and I can also make in our lives if we're going to reach that potential, if we're going to reach what greatness is in God's eyes. I believe there are three sacrifices that uh, this passage talks about that we can apply in our lives and, and see what God did in the life of Moses can also be done in your life and in my life. I want you to notice, first of all, that Moses sacrificed relevance for significance. He sacrificed relevance for significance. Now look in verse number 24. It says, By faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. You see, the first sacrifice Moses made was to give up the title of being the uh, son of Pharaoh's daughter. Now, this was a major decision. This was a huge decision because uh, if you understand uh, what was happening here, you'll find that being the son of Pharaoh's daughter meant that he was royalty. Uh, he had great position, if you will, in society because of the family that he was adopted into. If you don't know much about the story of Moses, I'll try to summarize it rather quickly. But uh, Moses was born at a time when the people of Israel were slaves in Egypt. They had been slaves for many years, almost 400 years at that time. And uh, they, they, they grew to be so many uh, in Egypt at the time that the pharaohs began uh, to make of them slaves. And, and throughout many years, they were working as slaves for the Egyptians. And as slaves, they were working hard and doing what they had to do. Uh, and the Pharaoh got a little bit nervous of the numbers that were growing. Uh, you see that uh, you'll find if you study a little bit historically that uh, the people of Israel were probably close to a million people at that time living in Egypt. And uh, because of that, Pharaoh uh, got a little bit scared, thought they might revolt against them, try to uh, win back their freedom by fighting. And so he put out a law that said every male child that was born uh, as a Jew, uh, every male slave that was born needed to die. They were to throw those babies in the Nile and kill them by drowning, if not by sword. And that was the climate and the government that Moses was born into. But the Bible says that uh, Moses' parents, having faith, decided that they were not going to reveal Moses to the authorities. They weren't going to allow the authorities to, to kill him. And, and not knowing what else to do, at the age of three months, uh, his parents went ahead and put him, they made a basket, put him in the basket, and they let him float down the Nile River. 
As he was floating down the Nile River, uh, Pharaoh's daughter was there bathing, and she saw the basket. She asked them to bring it to her, and as they opened it, they found baby Moses in that basket. The Bible says that Moses was a beautiful baby, uh, and I think because of that beauty, Pharaoh uh, fell in love with that baby, and instead of, of killing that baby as the law required her to do, she instead adopted that baby. And that's how Moses became the adopted son of Pharaoh's daughter. Pharaoh at that time was a man that had not had any male children. So, and most likely, uh, it was Moses who was going to be the next one to come on the throne as the next Pharaoh. Uh, Moses had everything going in that sense. Moses would have been a man uh, that would have been a very relevant in his day. He would have been very well known. He would have been, uh, if you would, uh, the expression, he would have been the celebrity there in Egypt. Now, Egypt was at the, t- at the height of its power. It was the world power at that time. Egypt had the most wealth. It had the most uh, uh, powerful government, the most powerful military. Uh, it was the nation, uh, the, the power nation in the world. And you can just imagine Moses now being adopted into this family meant not only that he was royalty, but that he was relevant. He was a celebrity. He was the next one to come on the throne. And he would have had this life of relevance. Now, by the way, the word relevance means having important to what is happening at hand. In other words, immediately right now, at that moment, Moses would have had relevance in his life. Moses would have been somebody. But you know, there's something that uh, Moses understood that you and I need to understand. That relevance isn't everything. Relevance isn't the most important thing. Oh, it might be the most important thing at a moment's time. But it really isn't the most important thing of all time. And I want you to notice in verse 25 what it says of Moses. It says, choosing rather, he says, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter and choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God. Let me just say something about relevance there in your notes. Relevance would have given Moses an easier life. Moses could have stayed being uh, the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Moses would have had everything that he needed in life. He would have had all the wealth that you can imagine. He would have received the best education because the best education in the world was found there in Egypt. He would have had the best title as Pharaoh. He would have had the best position. He would have had the most power. And yet, the Bible says that uh, Moses decided to refuse to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Can I say, uh, though relevance would have been nice, and though relevance at that time was something presented to Moses, the Bible says when he came to years, when he came to a point where he could make a decision, he had to sacrifice that relevance for something more, for significance. You see, in relevance, he would have been the envy of all Egyptians. But can I say relevance has never led to a life of lasting joy? I was uh, reading an article in 2005. In fact, the article was about an interview that was happening there on 60 Minutes. And the person that was being interviewed was Tom Brady. Tom Brady, the quarterback of the New England Patriots. And at the time, it was in 2005, Tom was 28 years old. He'd already won three Super Bowls and was ranked already at the age of 28 as one of the greatest quarterbacks ever. But it wasn't enough. In the interview, Brady said this. He says, why do I have three Super Bowl rings and still think there's something greater out there for me? I mean... He said, maybe a lot of people would say, hey, man, this is what it is. I, I reached my goal. You, you, I've reached my dream. I reached my life. But Tom said, but I think it's got to be more than this. He said, I just can't believe that this would be it. This can't be all it is. This can't be all that it's cracked up to be. You know, Tom Brady is living a life that is very relevant to our culture, very relevant and very well known. But even Tom himself confessed, you know, after three Super Bowl rings after, and now today he's got five, being perhaps the greatest quarterback in NFL history, he's still going to play another season. 
already in his 40s, he says it's still not enough. You know why? Because though relevance is an easier life, it never brings lasting joy. Moses found that it wasn't just enough to be relevant. Ecclesiastes chapter 2. This is what Solomon said, the wisest man who's ever lived. Here's what he wrote. He said, For what hath man of all his labor, and of all the vexation of his heart, wherein he hath labored under the sun? For all his days are sorrows, and his travail grief. Yea, his heart taketh not rest in the night. This is also vanity. Another man that learned about relevance was Solomon. And you know what he said? He said, I try to live the relevant life. I try to have everything that anyone could ask for. I try to have all the gold that I could have. And I try to have all the popularity. And I try to do all that I wanted to do. But you know what I found out at the end? That it's all vanity. That it doesn't matter. That it's not really that important. I find it interesting that Moses, having this opportunity, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. The Bible says that he rather chose to suffer affliction with the people of God. Let me tell you this, there in your notes, significance brought affliction into Moses' life. You see, Moses decides to suffer affliction and identify with the people of God. He could have been royalty, but instead decides to identify with the slaves of his day. I don't know about you, but that seems like a mighty big decision. Instead of telling people what to do, he was identifying with the people being told what to do. Instead of being the one that was going to be next in in line to rule, he was going to get next in line to be ruled over. That was the decision that Moses was making. All of this brought affliction into his life. And let me just say, there is nothing done significant uh, in this life that doesn't bring with it affliction. No great accomplishment was ever finished without some kind of hardship. They say of of, uh, Thomas Edison that he failed over a thousand times while he was trying to invent the light bulb. Uh, There were some hardships there before there was finally a breakthrough, before he finally accomplished something great. You see, uh, even a child being born does not come into this world without affliction. (laughs) If you're a mother this morning, you know just how much affliction it takes to bring a child into this world. But every mother in here who has brought a child into this world will always say it's always worth it. It's always worth the affliction. It's always worth the hardship. Can I say, no great Christian ever accomplished anything for God without suffering great affliction? Uh, Perhaps the greatest Christian to ever live, the Apostle Paul. I want you to notice what he wrote to Timothy, the one who was going to take his place. Notice what he says in 2 Timothy 3.12. He says, But thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience, persecutions, there it is, afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra. What persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Let me just say, if you want to do something significant, and I hope that you do, if you want to do something that really matters and something that is really important, understand this morning that there are going to be afflictions that you must pay to be and do something significant. You see, the significance of choosing to suffer affliction over being the son of Pharaoh's daughters brought him lasting joy, meaning, and purpose. Moses was a man that understood, if I refuse to be called a Pharaoh's daughter, and if I just identify with the people of God, and if I just suffer that affliction, listen, God will help me through it. God will give me some meaning in my life. God will help me do something great for him. I'm sure it was a major decision in his life that, didn't come easily. I'm sure he had a lot of his half-brothers telling him, Moses, are you crazy? Or half-sisters telling him, what are you thinking? Why would you do this? Uh, Moses, you're royalty. Uh, Moses, don't you know that it w- if it wasn't for your adopted mother, you'd be dead today? Don't you know what she has done for you? I'm sure they try to guilt him into saying, uh, this is why you need to choose this life. Hey, Moses, it's an easier life. Moses, people are going to know you. Moses, you could do some great things for your people. 
relevance is so enticing so many times. It's enticing to, to want to just be known. It's enticing to have an easier life. But we find that Moses wasn't looking for an easier life. He wasn't looking for a life of relevance. He was looking for a life of significance. One of the things I admire most about the senior pastor of this church, my father, is the decisions that he made in his life so that we might be here today. Um, if you don't know his story, he uh, married my mom in, in uh, Nicaragua, and uh, after two years of marriage, they moved here to Georgia. And at the time, uh, not knowing much of the language, uh, my father had to go to language school, and uh, having two, two boys at that time, uh, he was having to work basically all day. I'm sorry, he was having to uh, take care uh, of, the, of the two boys. My mom was working. Uh, when she came back from uh, working, then he would uh, go to language school for uh, three or four hours in the day, and then he would work all night as a stalker at uh, Kroger Grocery Store. And the way he got that job, not knowing any English, was that uh, my mom's brother was the manager there at the Kroger supermarket. And so uh, he was able to do that. In fact, when I asked my uncle about it, he said, well, because your dad didn't know any English, uh, the only time that I could give him work was when he wasn't going to be running into anybody. Uh, and the only thing that uh, my dad knew was, one moment, please. And then he would go and find somebody if they did talk to him. So working all night was the, the easiest way to, to sort of uh, give him time to learn the language and, and know what he was doing. But uh, at that time, uh, my, my uncle being that manager has, was already seeing a lot of success. In fact, my uncle had... Uh, become the manager of Kroger at 18 years of age. Uh, that was uh, pretty incredible even in that day, okay? At 18 years of age, he had worked, uh, he had started working at 13. After five years, he had became the manager of that place. And uh, my uh, father uh, tells me that he recalls the time when uh, my uncle told him, listen, uh, Noe, if you just stick to this, if you can just learn the language and you just work hard, listen, as I go up, I'm going to bring you up with me. And I'm going to make sure that you're taken care of. And I'm going to make sure that you have a good job that's going to take care of your boys and, and take care of your wife. And, and it's going to be something that will be nice for you. But you see, during that time, uh, my father and my mother were going to a church called Harvest Baptist Church with Pastor Carl Braswell. And as he preached and as he was under the preaching of God's word, Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, God began to touch his heart. God began to speak to him, and God told him, uh, 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 Noe, I, I want you to surrender your life. I know you have a lot of plans, and I know this job's a pretty good job, and I know you can go pretty far with it, but, but I just, I'm calling you because I, I think that I want you to serve me full time. I want you to put your plans on hold and your goals on hold, and I, and I want you uh, to follow me. And so by faith, he decided to step out and, and move down here to South Texas to go to a Bible college for four years, Rio Grande Bible Institute there in Edinburgh, Texas. And for four years, he was going to study the Bible and just try to follow whatever God was leading him to do. He said the time that he told uh, uh, my, uh, his boss, uh, my uncle, that he was going to be doing that, uh, he says, I, I remember your uncle saying, are, are you crazy? Are you sure you want to do this? You're, you're kissing away a, a bright future. This is the fact that you speak two languages is going to be a help to you. Uh, why do you want to do something like this? And my dad said, well, I just told him this is what I feel God is calling me to. And so he moved. And because of that decision, God led him to a little small church called Iglesia Bautista Betania. It was only about two years old when he first came. And in 1980, when he took over as the pastor, it was running less than 50 people. It wasn't giving a whole lot to missions. It didn't have a whole lot of missionaries. But almost 40 years later, we are here today. There's been many marriages that have been stayed together because of his counseling. There's been many lives that have been transformed. There's been many people that were on their way to hell that today are on their way to heaven because of that one decision. You see, he chose to do something significant with his life, not just something relevant with his life. You see, when, when you choose to do something relevant, uh, it, it, it can lead to, yes, a lot of pleasure for sin for just a season, for just a little while. The importance is something that is fleeting, something that is just for now. 
But you see, significance is something that lasts so much longer. That is something so much more important. It might be that not everybody recognizes that. It might be that not everybody will tell the story of that major decision in your life. But I, as his youngest son, I'm thankful for that decision. I'm thankful that I've got to grow up in a church where Sunday school was there every Sunday. Where I got to learn some songs and learn some verses. Where I got to serve God with my life. I'm so thankful that that decision led to a church that we have today with an English service and a Spanish service. I'm very excited to see what the future of Bethany Baptist Church is, but that future is all because one man decided, I'm not going to uh, live a life of relevance. I'm going to live a life of significance. We see that Moses made that huge decision. He refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He refused royalty, choosing rather to suffer that affliction. I want you to notice, secondly, Moses not only sacrificed Not only did he sacrifice this morning relevance for significance, he sacrificed the temporal for the eternal. Look, if you will, in verse number 26 of our passage. He says, uh, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect into the recompense of the reward. The second sacrifice Moses made was that he sacrificed the earthly temporal treasures of this life for the eternal treasures of the next life. This was not a sacrifice that was an easy one to make. You see, when you begin to examine the wealth of Egypt, you'll find that it wasn't just a small wealth. It was an immense wealth. Uh, Egypt at its pinnacle uh, during this time was one that was richer than any other nation. Just to give you a little hint of that kind of wealth, uh, there's a pharaoh that died at the age of 18 that's probably one of the more famous pharaohs. uh, 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 Pharaoh King uh, uh, Tut is what he's known as. Tutankhamun uh, is his name. And uh, King Tut in 1922 uh, was discovered in one of the pyramids. And in that pyramid, uh, they discovered with him I mean tons of gold. And I just want to give you what the coffin of, of gold that he had. Uh, this two, uh, King Tutankhamun only ruled for maybe six to seven years, they say. He was probably around 18 to 25 years of age when he died. And uh, at that time, Egypt would bury their pharaohs with all of their treasure. Now, you can imagine in seven years, he he probably was not able to amass as much treasure as perhaps other pharaohs. But they believe that once you die, if they bury you with your treasure, you could enjoy that treasure in the afterlife. So sad to see that many centuries later, the treasure is still there, but he is not. He's not enjoyed one day since he died any of that treasure that was buried with him. But that treasure, the coffin that he had, was uh, laid in gold, 110.4 kilograms of gold. That's roughly about 243 pounds of gold, okay? Today, gold is about $1,320 per ounce. So just the coffin itself today, if you wanted to buy a coffin sort of like King Tut's, it would cost you about $320,760, just the coffin. And sometimes we complain about how much we have to pay for coffins when people pass away today. $320,000. That gives you just a hint of the wealth that was, and that was just the coffin. That's not everything else that was buried with him. That's not all the other treasures. Uh, there was uh, uh, someone that made uh, an attempt to, to see how much value that would have today if he would have just invested all of that gold and all of that money. The, 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 uh, the number that it was uh, given was 140, and then it was like 28 zeros after it or something like that, dollars. I mean, it was beyond what people could count. It would exceed the wealth of the world today. That was the decision that Moses was having to make. Are you going to choose Egypt's treasures? Or are you going to choose God's treasures? The difference is one is temporary and the other is eternal. Why would Moses do something like that? Let me say this in your notes. The temporal always gives the reward now and the cost later. You know what Moses understood? He understood that 
Though uh, Egypt had a lot to offer him, though Egypt had a lot of wealth and treasures, it was something that was going to be fleeting, something that was going to be gone soon after he was dead. And Moses wasn't looking for something that he could have just temporarily. He wanted something that he could have eternally. You see, the Bible says in Hebrews 9, 27, and as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. You see, the same decision that Moses had to make, either to live for the eternal or live for the temporary, is the same decision that you and I have to make. You can live for it all today and miss out on it all tomorrow, or you can live all for God today and receive it all tomorrow. You see, the temporary always gives a reward now, but the cost later. So many people today are, are living for it all today. They're living for the fame. They're living for the wealth. They, they, they want to have the most hits on YouTube. They want to have the most followers on Twitter and Instagram. They, they're looking for anything that they can, they, they can do to have uh, some sort of meaning in their life. They want it all. But you know, even if you get it all, it's just temporary. Even if you get the nicest house on your block and if you get the nicest car in your neighborhood, it's still temporary. I have found that on the streets today, as I've traveled even from my house to church, I have not passed any 1935 beautiful car. Oh, every once in a while you might see one that is restored once in a blue moon. But they're expensive to maintain. They don't go very fast. They're just sort of there as a decor, as a little toy to play with. But you know that in 1935, that was it. That was the car. That's what you wanted to drive. You don't want to be on a horseback. You want to be on that. And look at us today. We laugh at cars like that. Let me just say, your 2018 car, 50 years from now, there probably will be no one driving it. You see, because the treasures of this world, they're just temporary. They're just here for a moment, and they can give you joy right now, but they'll mean nothing later. You'll stand before God on that day, and you'll look back, and you're going to say, wow, I had a great house, and I had a great car, and I had a great job, and I, was, I had it all back then. But now today, now today it's cost me everything. You see, because when you live for the temporary treasures, you'll have no eternal treasures. You can have it all now or you can have it all later. That's why God says in Isaiah 55, He says, Oh, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters. And he that hath no money, come ye, buy and eat. Yea, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. He says, Wherefore do ye spend money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which satisfieth not? He says, Hearken diligently unto me and eat that which is good and let your soul delight itself in fatness. You know what God was trying to tell the people of Israel there? Isaiah's message was, hey, live for the eternal, not for the temporary. You live for the temporary, you're never satisfied. You always want more. But the eternal, oh man, the eternal is great. You see, while the temporary gives a reward now and the cost later, let me say, the eternal gives the cost now, but the reward later. Someone has said, there's payday coming someday, but it's coming. You know, payday is not always on Friday. Payday sometimes is a little bit longer than Friday, but payday is always coming. You know, there's a day coming when you will be rewarded for what you've done for Christ. Moses had to make a decision. Am I going to enjoy these treasures in Egypt now and suffer for it later, or should I suffer now and enjoy it later? You know, that's the same decision you and I have today. You can live for the treasures now, or you can pay the price now. You can live godly and suffer persecution now and reap the rewards later. You can, you can decide that, you know what, I, I, I'm, I'm going to invest my money in things that are eternal. You know, I, I'll, just, I'll take this paycheck and I'm, I'm going to give my tithe to the Lord. Because see, that tithe is something eternal, not temporary. That money's going to be gone anyway. 
So it's better to invest it in something that matters than in something that doesn't. It's better to invest it in something that lasts than in something that doesn't. That's why Jesus said there in Mark 10, when Peter began to talk to him, he said, Lord, Lord, we have left all and followed thee. And Jesus said, Verily I say unto you, there is no man that hath left house or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels, but he shall receive a hundredfold. Now in this time, houses and brethren and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions, but in the world to come, eternal life. Jesus said, yeah, it's going to cost you now. Oh, but there's a payday coming. I mean, it's a wonderful payday. Jim Elliott was a man at the age of 29 who had been working to reach the Alca Indians there in Ecuador for three years. Finally, after reaching a beach and finding a beach where he could land his plane, or he wasn't the pilot, but the pilot and those that were with him could land their plane, Jim and four other missionaries waited there on that beach four days to make contact with these Alca Indians, Indians that were known to be a fierce tribe, uh, a tribe that had never heard of the Bible or a man by the name of Jesus. After four days, a man finally showed up with two women. The missionaries were so excited to see them. Only knowing a few phrases in their language, they, they began to try to speak to them and communicate with them, but not getting very far, at least they were able to give them some food and they shared a meal. And then for the rest of that time, the day that they were there, they, they took them on the plane and they, they flew above the jungle so they could see where their village was at and, and see and, and have that ride there on the plane. After they landed, they invited the Indians as they were going back home. They said, well, won't you come back and maybe bring some friends? And they shared with them a little bit of the gospel as best as they could before they left. They waited for three days and nothing. But finally, after three days, Indians arrived. But they arrived with spears. They weren't coming to chat and they weren't coming to have a, fee, a meal with them. They weren't coming to be on a plane. They were coming to kill those missionaries. Instinctively, when Jim Elliott saw them, they, uh, the story is said that he instinctively reached for his gun. But you see, him and all four missionaries had decided that they weren't going to kill any of the Indians, even if their life depended on it, because they had Christ and the Indians did not. They refused to send a person that did not have Christ as their Savior to the grave and ultimately to hell. And so instead of reaching out his gun to defend himself and killing those that were attacking him, he left the gun in his place. And him and four missionaries were stabbed to death on that beach. As a result of that, after hearing of what bravery these missionaries had, many people surrendered themselves to go to the mission field all over the world. Because of that, his wife who survived him and another lady that was with them, one of the sisters of those missionaries, went back and lived there in the village. And many of those Indians trusted Christ as their Savior. Jim Elliott had to give his life. Four other missionaries with him gave their life so that other Indians, savages, that murdered them could hear about Jesus. They could receive Christ. As their savior today, that same Indian tribe is no longer a fierce, murdering Indian tribe, but it's known as a friendly tribe, a tribe that has Christ in the center of it. You know what Jim Elliott said before going on that missionary journey? Jim Elliott said this, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. You know what Jim Elliott figured out? The same thing that Moses figured out so many years before. That you could either live for the temporal things of this earth or you can live for the eternal things of this earth. Moses said, I'm going to sacrifice the temporary for the eternal. Jim Elliott said, I'm going to sacrifice the temporary for the eternal. What are you going to decide? I want you to notice that the first sacrifice that Moses made was relevance for significance. 
Then he sacrificed the temporary for the eternal. But then notice thirdly that he sacrificed convenience for obedience. The last sacrifice that Moses made was one of obedience over convenience. The Bible says that Moses was not afraid of the king's wrath. Notice there in verse number 27. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king. For he endured as seeing him who is invisible. You see, in Egypt, the Pharaoh was worshipped as a god. He commanded the ultimate power there in the world, the ultimate power over everything that was wealth and politics, over everything that was military. He had the greatest army of the day. He uh, owned all the land and all the houses in Egypt. And, and it would not have been a difficult thing to wipe out a bunch of slaves like Moses was identifying with. It would not have been a a difficult thing for Pharaoh to just give the order and rid himself of all of them. It was going to be a, a fearful thing to go against the Pharaoh. Yet Moses made the decision that he wasn't going to look at the visible power of Pharaoh. But he was going to look at the power of the invisible God of the Bible. See, Moses decided that he was going to sacrifice what would be convenient at the moment for something of obedience to God. He was not going to compromise with Pharaoh. Even after the plagues, when the plagues were coming on Egypt, Pharaoh said, okay, okay, Moses, that's enough. You can go three days. Go out three days and worship God as you want, but then you just got to come back. That might have been the easy thing. At that time, Pharaoh was already getting frustrated with what's going on. Pharaoh started to get a little angry about what's going on. I'm sure it would have been very easy for Moses to say, yeah, you're right. This is good enough. Hey, God, this is better than what we had before. But Moses didn't do that. Moses wasn't content to just compromise with what Pharaoh was doing. He found that obeying God was more important. He'd rather obey what God had commanded him to do. Now, let's just observe really quick two truths about this. Number one, convenience is led by unbelief. Anytime you and I go by what is convenient, we are being led by unbelief. We are simply looking at what we think is best and what we see the circumstances to be and are not acting upon what God can do for us. Moses could have seen what Pharaoh was going to do, the power that Pharaoh had, the wealth that Pharaoh had, and said, hey, this is not a guy I want to mess with. But Moses was willing to sacrifice the convenience of just compromising so that he might just obey God and all that he was commanded to do. Convenience is always led by unbelief. If Moses would have made that truce with Pharaoh... He would not have been doing that in faith to God, but he would have been doing that in unbelief and convenience sake. You say convenience never leads to victory in our lives. If you remember the story of King Saul in 1 Samuel chapter 15, God had commanded Saul to to kill everything of the Amalekites, kill all uh, the people, kill all of the animals. And then you read there in 1 Samuel 15, as uh, verse 20 and 21, as Saul tells Samuel, uh, uh, Saul, I killed everyone. I did what God said, but the people, you know, the people wanted to keep some of the oxen and some of the, the goats and some of the animals, and, and, uh, and so I just let them. You know, Saul said, I, it just wasn't convenient, Samuel. You have to understand, I'm the king of the nation. I got I to gotta please the people. I, I got to do what's right by them, and, and it's very convenient for me to keep some of these animals alive and keep that King Agag alive. You know what Samuel told him? Samuel writes and says, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. You know what Samuel told Saul? He said, Saul, you should have, you should have made the, the sacrifice. The sacrifice of not doing what is convenient, but just doing what is obedient. See, as convenience is always led by unbelief, obedience is always led by faith. It's always led by faith. If you know the story of Moses, you'll recall that on that last plague, God had said that he was going to send the angel of death and kill every firstborn thing in Egypt. 
whether it be an animal or whether it be a person. Every firstborn was going to die by the angel of death. And the only way to avoid that death was to kill a perfect spotless lamb and get the blood and put the blood on the doorpost and on the top of the post of the door. And the Bible says that God told Moses, as the angel, the angel of death sees the blood, he'll pass over that house and you'll save that firstborn in that house. That had never happened before. God had never done something like that before. But by faith, it says there in our Bibles in verse 28, Moses kept the Passover. See, Moses obeyed by faith. When we depend fully on God by faith, we find that this always leads to obedience in our life. And obedience always brings victory in our life. Listen, do not sacrifice being obedient for what is convenient. Psalm 118.8 says, It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. Acts 5.29, when Peter was asked by those in Jerusalem, Peter said, hey, we ought to obey God rather than men. It's important for you and I this morning to understand that we must sacrifice convenience for obedience. Elliot Huck, a 14-year-old from Bloomington, Indiana, was a young man that had placed 42nd out of 250 spellers in a semifinal competition for the spelling bee. He was invited in 2007 to the National Spelling Bee as a result of that. But in 2007, the National Spelling Bee was going to be held on a Sunday. In Elliot's eyes, this 14-year-old young man, the competition conflicted with the biblical command to rest on the Sabbath. He said, and I quote, I always try to glorify God with what I do in the spelling bee because he is the one who gave me the talent for spelling. But now I'm not going to spell and I'm going to try to give glory to God in not going to the spelling bee. Dropping out wasn't an easy choice for Elliot. It was something he had worked hard to get to. He enjoyed his time in 2006 being in uh, the, uh, Washington, D.C. and being in the national competition. He was looking forward for all that study and all that he did to competing in the National Spelling Bee. But finding that it was on Sunday, he said, I'm not going to go. He said this, I have accepted that God knows what's best, and I'm just going to do what he says. It would have been convenient for him to say, well, it's just one Sunday. What's the big deal? There's 52 in the year. I've worked so hard to get here. Uh, this is what is convenient for me to do. God, don't you know all the work I've done? But he sacrificed what would have been convenient in his life to being obedient to what God had said. This morning, the call to sacrifice is one for all to answer. The question isn't, does God ask me to sacrifice? The question is, will you answer the call? You see, the benefits to answering this call are having significance in your life. The benefits is having eternal rewards to look forward to in receiving. The benefit is God's blessing in my life for obedience. Don't you think this morning that your marriage could use that? Married couple, don't you think that your marriage could have some significance? Don't you think it would be helped to have God's blessing in it? Don't you think it would be nice to serve together with your wife or your husband for something that is eternal? Teenager, don't you think it's significant in your life to sacrifice some things that are worth it, things that matter, things that won't be meaningless later? Grandparents, is that not the legacy that you want to leave? To leave your grandson or granddaughter the legacy of, I sacrificed. Some people glory in their sacrifices of their riches. They glory and say, when I'm gone, I, I, I have my kids a big inheritance and my grandkids a big inheritance. And much of it is just a, a temporary inheritance. But how about this morning deciding, I want to leave an eternal inheritance. 
I want to sacrifice for something that really matters. Something that is significant. Something that is eternal. Something that has God's blessing on it. This morning, I want to encourage you. Answer the call. Say, hey, I'm willing to make those three sacrifices in my life. I don't need to be relevant. I don't need to live for the temporary. And I don't always have to do what's convenient. I'll sacrifice all that so that God can help me do something great for him. I encourage you. Answer the call. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the life of Moses. Because, Father, what a blessing it is and a challenge it is for us to see how important that we must sacrifice in our life. Oh, Father, I pray that as we think about the decisions that we are going to be faced with throughout this week and throughout our lifetime, oh, how important it is to make that decision of sacrifice every day. I pray that by your power and by your spirit, we'd be able to sacrifice so that we could receive your blessing, your eternal rewards, and something that truly means more than just what this life gives. Oh, Father, I pray that your spirit would work in our lives to make that decision. As the piano is playing just one stanza, perhaps you're here this morning and you're saying, Pastor, you know, to be honest, I haven't been making a lot of those kinds of decisions in my life. I've been living for things that are just temporary. I've been living for things that really are not significant in any way. With God's help today, I want to make the right decision. I want to sacrifice those things to receive from God what I could not receive on my own. Would you just pray for me, Pastor? If that's your decision, just raise your hand. I'm not going to single you out. I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to pray for you. I see that hand. Anyone else? God bless you. I see those hands. God bless you. Anyone else? Says, just pray for me. I see those hands. Father, this morning... I simply saw hands, but you saw the hearts. And Father, I pray that, myself included, we'd be able to, throughout this week, make the necessary sacrifices so that you can do something in our life. Oh, Father, I pray that we would be ready and willing to follow you wherever, whenever, and however. Help us to answer this call daily. Help us to sacrifice with a deep conviction of knowing what we're sacrificing for and to whom. And Father, we pray that you would work in our lives. And we ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. What a great challenge.